to everything. Uh, I think, yeah. So amazing. So for people that don't know us, and I, I am just, <laughs> this is my first time meeting you. We connected in a Facebook group on a thread um, with a little shout outs for who wants to do podcasts. And we um, really resonated with what each other does. Um, quite similar, but very different. Uh, and I just was so drawn to your um, message and what you do. I think it's so vital and so wonderful um, and transformational. So for anybody that's listening to this, can you summarise really quickly what it is, like who you are and what you love doing and who you work with? Absolutely. Well, when I was three, my mother came into my no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go back that far. Um, <laughs> I'm a. I'm a musician, and I'm also a witchy person, and I really feel that for me, art and music is like a form of healing magic. It has changed my life dramatically, and so I feel like my life's calling is to put that healing magic out into the world because it's like alchemy. It's this amazing thing that happens where when i sing about something dark and painful and you hear me sing about it we both end up feeling better because we feel seen you know and we get to have this mutual understanding and connection and everybody heals so that's yeah. what that's my life's work beautiful and that's actually is it your album or your single that's called shadow work um it's my album it's called shadow work and definitely about shadow work <laughs> Yeah, amazing. I love that. So, yeah, I'm kind of on the other side of it. It's um, with my work at um, doing like mind body healing, and we do a lot of shadow work. It's a lot of that, yeah, delving into those depths of painful memories and um, feeling where that is in the body and being able to shift that. So, um, sound is something that we use in those. So, yeah, I definitely have seen and and I know huge state shift for me is putting some music on I think we all share that as humans right we just we have that innate um sense that we need music we create it you know we'll we'll tap on things or we'll hum or we'll click you know <laughs> so something so deep in us right um so where do you think what what do you think happens that we disconnect from that self-healing ability with song and with music where you we know kind of you have that tool yeah um i i love that you that you say that too because it is like it's innate it's a universal language you know i think we can all connect with it but we do i think now we're we are disconnected like our culture is disconnected um we don't value art as much in our culture or at least we teach kids not to we teach kids that that's playtime and that's not you know like important and what's important is you know, doing your homework and then getting a good job and all of that. And, and then we grow up with those values, right? So we grow up devaluing art and devaluing our creativity. And it's very hard. I sometimes teach songwriting workshops and I have taught kids and I've taught adults. And it's always the adults who tell me, oh, I can't sing. I can't make music. I can't, I, I, I'm no good at this. And the kids, you know, the six-year-olds are like, yeah, hear me. I'm great. <laughs> you know, so we learn it we learn that we can't connect to it and it, we can unlearn it, but it takes time. I think it's cultural, you know, I think our society kind of like tries to push it out of us a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and so when you're so you do a lot of um so coaching kind of work with people to like voice training or is it more um confidence stuff or is it sort of all inclusive what's your approach when you're working with people I mostly um, am just a musician. I mostly share my art and that's how, that's the way that I, I want to help people the most. You know, I just want to be an artist and put it out there and form a community too. That's really important to me. Um, I actually have a Facebook group. It's a private group, but if you go to my page, you can find it linked. It's called Firestarters Anonymous where, um, and it's really what that means to me is, you know, you're a fire starter if you're a creative person who maybe has had trouble connecting to their creativity because they've been told they're not good or been told that's not important. Or maybe you just have trouble valuing yourself enough to give yourself the time. You know, most of the people in this group are these amazing, compassionate, creative people um, and like just beautiful humans. And they have that, that hard time valuing themselves because society doesn't value those attributes. <laughs> um, so if you want, if, if anyone wants in that group, please join because I look at it more like I think art is like group therapy. So when we're all connected, we are all therapized, which is a real word for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we'll we'll chuck all those links so that people can find you. Um, where can they find your music? Um, anywhere that anywhere find music is sold, they can find me um, at RoryKelly.com is my website. And that's spelled R-O-R-I-E-K-E-L-L-Y. And I'm also on Spotify and iTunes and all of that good stuff, Bandcamp, all the places you might expect to find a musician. But if you want to see me and connect with me as like, I feel like music is a language to be shared and spoken. And I do a live stream every week called Monday Night Muses. It's on my Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch channels. Um... And it's really special because yes, I'm performing, but it's a conversation, you know, every week it's like, hey, how is everyone doing? How was the week? And it's great to have that connection, especially now in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So how have you found that that, I, I guess, um, as a culture in, I guess, more our well, Western cultures, um, not valuing art and the arts, uh, have you found a shift with, with COVID and with the pandemics? Because, I mean, we've always, even the really, um, I guess you would say, nine to fivers that are very much that traditional kind of mindset, I mean, they all kind of rely on the arts for entertainment, whether that's movies or music or, you know, but maybe not, maybe not perceiving that that's actually a part of their self-care or their um, whole life, their, their creation of their rich life. So, have you found that the pandemic putting putting people out of their element has made them realize a little bit more how much how valuable the arts really are? Because that's pretty much how a lot of people are getting through, right? You've seen the the um, takeoff of things like TikTok, which was essentially I think it used to be musically, so it was just for for artists, and that's kind of been adopted now by the general public. And we're seeing a lot more people that maybe never would have gotten exposure. Um, able to launch careers and all sorts in the arts. So do you think there's going to be a bit of a shift um, towards valuing those things a little more? I think so. And I certainly hope so, of course, you know. Um, and I've seen, like, I've seen posts, um, you know, there's, I think, a meme going around, like, never forget, like, when the world shut down for six months that you turned to music and you turned to art. You know, like, that's where you turned when you really needed the support to get you through. 
And I also, I listened to a podcast a few months ago about kind of the history of what has come out of pandemics. And often there is a period of a little bit of a cultural renaissance that comes after them. So it's really interesting, like the renaissance came after the Black Death. And so it's fascinating to think that, you know, it's almost like this big reframe, which it's never, you know, like there's no, there's nothing good about a pandemic, but it's interesting to think about like, well, maybe when we come out of this, we get this kind of like reawakening and inspiration. And I think people are, people are realizing how important art is in a way that maybe they didn't, you know, a year ago when everyone was kind of just going through their day, you know? So you're a full-time artist. Tell me about the transition from making this your actual living, like being able to actually survive off of something that maybe started off as being like a, a bit of a pipe dream. Yeah, well, talk about shadow work. Um, I feel like the most important thing in my journey has been about like unlearning, you know, the limiting beliefs that very well-intentioned beliefs uh, adults gave to me, <laughs> you know, like, um, I think when I was when I was younger, and my parents are musicians, so I kind of actually I did have it modeled. My parents made their living doing music. My dad's a producer. Um, my mom was a performer, you know, doing just what I do for a lot of years. But even even from my parents' perspective, it was like maybe you want to do something more stable. <laughs> so, you know, I think they, a lot of what they knew the struggle. They lived this, the 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 work of it, and they kind of maybe wanted to protect you a little bit from from that struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think, um, you know, I kind of was like, well, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to be a musician. And of course, the music industry in the last, you know, 30, 40 years has changed so dramatically. And all along the way, I've had people telling me why it wasn't going to work and why it was hard, including other musicians like uh, musicians are absolutely and I understand why it's like bitterness. Um, but they're a big culprit of this of like, oh, well, let me tell you why it's going to be hard. <laughs> and so it's really I've, I've had to unlearn that it, that it has to be hard. You know, I had to unlearn the idea that I couldn't do it. And it just was stubbornness. Um, stubbornness is your best friend when you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> I was too stubborn not to do it. And I really like I I kind of bull in a china shop was just like, well, I'm going to figure out a way and I'm going to do it. I get that from my mom. <laughs> she modeled that for me, like, we're going to figure it out. And I did enough to be able to say, oh, I can make the numbers work, you know, like enough to be able to say, I see how the, how I can make enough and then, you know, level my way up to doing so. And then having done that, I could look back and be like, wow, I did this thing that a lot of people told me I shouldn't even try to do because it wasn't worth it. I wonder what else is possible, you know? Beautiful. So if you had, if you were, if you had a piece of advice for a young little musician, so I have a young little musician in my life. So my, my son has been writing lyrics since he was eight. Um, and yeah, he's so gifted. Like I've read his music and it's well, well, well beyond his years. Um, and I really encourage that with him, but um, I'm probably, I, I haven't been a good role model to him in that I love singing, but I don't ever think I'm good enough. So my self-talk has not been great. So he's actually been, we've been pulling each other up on that. Um, and I was actually, I like to sing when I work because I just find it taps me into that creative energy. Um, and it's super soothing and calming for me because I 
lean towards a little bit of anxiety and I just find that song centers me and and soothes me so um I was seeing working way the other day and he's like oh mom you could probably make some money out of music and I was like oh don't be silly um and he's like no you, you could like and I was like oh and I caught myself in that moment going what am I teaching him by limiting myself and and keeping myself small and saying oh no 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 and so I kind of caught myself in that moment. I said back to him, I said to him, right, deal. You write the song and I'll sing it. And he was like straight away onto it and going in. And, and he actually reworked one of his older songs. Um, he reworked it a little. He changed a few bits, I guess, more to suit me because he had me in his mind then. Um, and he showed me a little bit. It's, it's gorgeous. Um, so I I mean, I'm, I'm very conscious and mindful because... I break patterns for a living. That's what I do for people is, is unlock them in beliefs and tap into the core wounds that, you know, the, I call them points of inception. So where people actually the first moment where they took on that belief and we clear it from that moment so that everything else can kind of dissolve around it. Um, so I'm super conscious of that as a, as a parent. Um, but what bit of advice would you give to people um, either little ones that might listen to this or their parents? Like, if you could give them a message or if you could tell them something, what would that be? Like, what are some really like, I guess, a big overarching belief system to keep in mind, but then maybe some practical steps to bring that dream into reality? I love, I love this story. I just love hearing about you and your son and your son lifting you up about your voice. And by the way, like now you're committed. Now you have to sing that song. I know, right? I'm really, I'm really excited to hear it. Um, so I have, so two things like from a kind of spiritual or psychological perspective, the biggest piece of advice is uh, to try your best to instill in your, in your children or instill in yourself to trust yourself, you know, to trust your calling and to trust that it's possible. And on a more practical side, um, the advice that I have to give is to assume that it's figure outable. I think a lot of people, especially like if you want to just talk about the music industry, the entertainment industry in general, everyone is exposed to it. Everyone is talking about the entertainment industry. It's the only industry where there's all of these people who are not involved at all, but think they're an expert, you know, like when if someone goes to you, you as a parent and says, like, I think I want to become a plumber. Um, and if you're not a plumber yourself, you're not going to be like, well, I've heard it's a hard road, <laughs> you know you're just going to be like, oh, I guess you go to plumbing school. Um, but in the music industry, it's such a visible industry and everyone thinks they have a perspective of the industry. And what they see is this rags to riches story where you are either a complete broke deadbeat living in your parents' like basement or you're Beyonce and that's it. And the truth is that there's so much in between and it's just not public, right? We just don't have, we just don't have it modeled for us in the public mainstream. So what I want to just tell people practically is that they're, that music is a business like any other business. And like any business, the way you grow your career is by meeting people and having conversations and asking questions when you don't know the next step. And if and asking questions of the right people, right? Because everyone will give you advice about a career in music. I know because I'm a gigging musician. I have a lot of people giving me advice who have never in their lives picked up an instrument. But um, if you network with other people and people that you look up to and ask questions, people are happy to help. Just like in any other field, you know, um, 
so treat it like a business instead of treating it like a lottery ticket, which is what a lot of people do. Yeah, that's a really important differentiation. Hey, like there is so many, I mean, there's music in everything. So there's so many avenues. But if you if you just have that mindset of like, I'm going to be a really famous this, then you kind of negate all of the possible other avenues that music is involved in that you could integrate with your life. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to tell people not to like dream of being famous either. Like, please go for it. You know what I mean? Um, but fame doesn't happen overnight either. It's not like Britney Spears. Well, Britney Spears was a child star. I don't know why I'm going to her. She's in the news right now. Um, free Britney. But, um, you know, it's not like it's not like you wake up one day and are famous. It's like that happens after years and years of work and years of, uh, uh, you know, like raising your own notoriety, just like any other career. And then one day something happens that gets you on TV or whatever. But there are a lot of mid-level artists that you've never heard of who are making a thriving living doing and sharing their art, you know? Yeah, and be behind the scenes and still quite wealthy and living your best life. Yeah. And you can be in the scenes. You know, there are a lot of people who are making their living doing, uh, putting out albums and doing house concerts and doing like, you know, small bar and restaurant gigs or doing like small clubs and probably you or I haven't heard of the majority of them, but that's okay because they have enough people who have heard of them that they're able to build their career on it and still put out their legacy in the world. And that's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need everyone, right? You just need your people. Yeah. And I think it takes the pressure off too, because then you can be yourself. You don't have to let, make everyone like you. You don't have to be the person that everyone will enjoy. You can just be you and talk right to the people that you know want to hear what you have to say yeah that's a really good point so would you would you say to people like did you go to music school yourself or what was your journey with just I guess well you you kind of got music school in your home being raised by two musicians but maybe somebody that doesn't have um maybe they're not surrounded by musicians or they maybe are feeling a little bit out of place with their um like maybe coming from a family that's all the way the opposite very um logically minded and not very creatively minded or, or musical what would be your suggestion to um help them to get around more of that energy and community i love this question um and community is the answer too um and you're right i like really was i did have music school in my house a little bit growing up we used to have hoot nannies and get together and harmonize together um i think for starters, it's different for everyone, right? It's a different path if you want to be um, a conservatory musician who plays in an orchestra versus a musician like me who plays in a bar, you know, um, or and there's a million and one things in between. So I think what I what I encourage people to do is recognize that their path is their path, that one size fits all advice doesn't exist, especially in the music industry. And set their sights on what they really, really want. What is it that you want to do? Do you want to play rock and roll music? Do you want to be an oboist? Do you, you know, and then go find other people who are doing it and see what they are doing. The path can look like a music school approach. You know, it can look like a conservatory. Um, and even if you're a rock musician, um, you know, like now, now there's the opportunity. So many schools are teaching music in a way that's a lot more contemporary. Um, but but maybe the path that's most important for your career is going to an open mic and meeting, you know, 10 or 20 musicians who are in your immediate area 
and hanging around them and getting to know where they perform and getting to know how they got good at what they do and getting to know what their career looks like. Then you're in the community and that's like, like we said, it's networking, right? It's just like any other business. You start to learn the ropes and it's so accessible. You know, there's probably, of course, right now we're in a pandemic, but there's a, there's open mics online right now happening. There are zoom open mics happening and you can probably find one if you search on Facebook for a few minutes. And then once things begin to open up again, you know, there's probably a place within, you know, within a few miles of you where you can go and hear some live music and go make some live music. Yeah. And then what, what sort of safeguards, I guess, um, what came to me, like, uh, I guess I'm very involved in mental health and well-being and things like that. Um, the crossover between sort of mental health and music and um, creatives and artistry and things like that, what would you say are some key elements to stay well in the music industry, following your passion and keeping yourself really well? Are there key things that you do every day in terms of self-care, I guess? And also, because I, I guess if anything that you're putting yourself really out there, you're exposing yourself to a potential criticism and things like that, which some people might be a little more sensitive to than to others. Um, what would you say, like, what are some key things that somebody can do every day to, I guess, build themselves up internally? And what are some things that you do each day to keep yourself really well and healthy when going into that space? I love these questions. Like, where was this podcast when I was 18? Because I really could have used it. <laughs> so right? we create what we needed. Right? Yes, it's so true. Um, so for starters, you're right. Like, it is it is a career or a, a type of thing that's inherently public, right? Inherently, you put yourself out there and inherently everyone will have an opinion, whether or not they're informed or, or not, you know, and um, and it is hard because we're we're a social, you know, we're social animals. We're used to trying to fit in and trying to make other people comfortable. So to me, what has been a game changer is community and having people to surround myself with who are on a similar path to mine. No two paths are alike, you know, but I have, I have friends that I meet with now on Zoom once a week and we talk about, and we're, you know, we're musicians, we're singer songwriters, we're building our creative careers and we're peers and we help each other. We're not all doing the exact same thing, but we're also, um, the phrase I'm going to use is one that I, I've read in Julia Cameron books, we're each other's believing mirrors. So when one of us comes and says, do you think I can do this? where maybe someone who is not a musician and not in the entertainment industry would come in with a lot of doubt. We come in with like, absolutely, you can do this. Here's your track record. Here's what you've done before. Also, I know a guy you could call. You know, we're here to, to show what is possible because there are a lot of people out there who are trying to tell you what is not possible. So have believing mirrors in your life, the people who will reflect back to you your potential so that you feel it and you believe it. It's so important, especially for an artist. And also like know your self care. I think it's really easy to um, like kind of, there's a to-do list that never ends when you're an entrepreneur in any type of field. And I feel like creative people are entrepreneurs. Um, so find those things that work for you. It's different for everyone. For me, like I have a spiritual practice every day and I don't feel right if I don't do it. If I'm not meditating, then I feel it, you know, I don't feel as good at the end of the day. If I'm not taking my walks or doing my exercise or whatever, I feel it. So every, everyone, you know, is going to be different, but take time to learn about your self care because you, 
you need it when you need it. You know, you'll feel fine when things are going well. And then when things are not going so well, you're going to cling to it and it's going to be, it's going to get you through. So who are, who are the key people throughout your journey? So you mentioned your, you've got your belief mirrors and um, you've done a lot of deep work and, and I guess your, your, your writing is a big part of that. Um, is there anyone that really stands out to you that's really helped you to unlock or unleash or has it been mostly an internal journey? A lot of it's been internal, but it, it doesn't mean that there aren't people who have helped. You know what I mean? I think for me, other artists have helped listening to, um, I'll name a very well-known artist and a very not well-known artist, Alanis Morissette. I'm a nineties girl. You know, I grew up listening to Alanis and listening to her journey, especially after those first albums, she's kept putting out music and it's just gotten spiritual and introspective and thoughtful. And it's just, um, incredibly healing to hear it. There's also an artist I listen to. They're a band from Ohio. Their name is red wanting blue. And the songwriter writes about the struggle I go through every day, writes about what it's like trying to make it as a musician, as an original musician in, you know, in this century right now and how hard it is and writes about how to keep the faith and all of that. And it's just, again, it's that beautiful thing of like connection. I've never met either of these people, you know, <laughs> but, um, but that connection makes me feel like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. I can keep going. And, you know, and different people that I meet along the way too. Um, some of whom are musicians, some of whom are just cheerleaders and just really believe in me. And I'm like, oh, well, if you believe in me, maybe I can do it. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so important that we have other people. Hey, like we really, as you said earlier, we're such social creatures and having that feedback and that um, others to fill us up when we're feeling down and to keep us going, I think really helps when you're on any kind of journey. Um, what is your, so your big vision, what's your big vision for your life? Do you have this overarching lifelong vision? Do you, are you somebody that sets goals or do you kind of just feel into the moment? Like what's your, what's your process for achieving or creating? So um, I'm a Virgo and I love spreadsheets and I do set goals, but um, it's funny because I'm also someone with a calling and I've known my calling since I was very young, you know, I've known since I was um, 13 that what I was meant to do, like what I was put on this earth to do was make music and that nothing else would make me happy. And that's evolved. My understanding has deepened to not just that nothing else would make me happy, but that it's really, it's the way I can best serve. You know, it's the way I can best serve the world. And so that in itself is like a little bit general, right? Uh, there's a lot of ways to exercise that calling. And so for me, it's been about finding the ways to do that, that just feel the most right, you know, the most like it's on my path. And that's a very intuitive experience. And like I said, I'm a Virgo and it's easier for me to make a spreadsheet and a to-do list. <laughs> so... Um, so I do that too, you know what I mean? But I've tried to get a little, I've tried to get more intuitive as I've gotten older, um, to be like, Hey, it doesn't, success doesn't have to look like this list of 10 things, you know, like it can be helpful to have a goal we can visualize, but there's so, there are so many possibilities that can happen. And so for me, it's about taking action every day and practices have been like a lot more helpful to me than like a five-year plan. 
Um, because a five-year plan is tricky because in five years, you might be in a different place in your life and there are things you have to learn along the way and you might learn them and realize, wow, the next step on this plan is stupid and I should do something else. So, you know, um, for me, it's been about, okay, I know I want to get in more ears. It's simplified as I get older. I want to get in more ears with this music because I believe I can heal people that way and help people that way. And I want to do my best by the art and create beautiful art. And everything I do is informed by that, you know, whether it's practicing or leveling up my technical game or learning Facebook marketing, which is an unglamorous task, but is important. And now I'm a nerd about it. It's, it's like, what are the practices right now, this day, this week, this month that will serve this goal the best. So it changes yeah. day to day, you know? And that's, I find that so important when you are on a big, like when you have an internal calling and you have that, that deep um, essence that pulls you along. I feel like you, you get to be more in the moment because you just have a deep knowing you have an assurance that this is, I'm just on the right path. I just know what I'm doing. And you trust that things will just open up along the way. But I think it helps when you have that because then you're open to more ways of getting there. So you might be, as you said, like you're going to be more of an early adopter. You're going to see these things coming out and go, yeah, I'm going to get onto that. That's going to help me because you've got that overarching guidance system that's saying, okay, well, these are my, these are my vision. This is my big vision. I want to get in more ears. I want um, my art to be healing. I want to really um, represent and, and create something so beautiful that I can be proud of. How, and then the how is like just an open playing field then you're just like well show me what you got world and let's use that um do you find that that's a really key part of of what's been your success is just being open i do think being open is helpful um and i think discernment is like the other part of that you know um especially because like we talked about if you're just open you'll receive a lot of information that's not relevant and some that's like toxic and not helpful. And it's usually not intentional. It's usually people who are wounded themselves then wound you. But um, we need to have good boundaries so that we can be open. You know, that's been like a real practice for me. So I think it's about being open. Uh, but as my aunt Marianne would say, not so open-minded that your brains fall out. <laughs> you know, like that discernment for me is like, okay, I can do anything but i can't do everything so if here's my goal and here's a list of you know 10 things that might get me closer what are the two that i feel like maybe i'm already good at or maybe i would enjoy a little bit because if i try to do all 10 i probably won't do all of i probably won't do any of them well so i think it's it's both things you know it's like being open and especially because you don't want to miss the opportunity because you're so set on it has to be this way but then practicing the discernment that like if i try to do all the things i won't do any of them well it's important, you know. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, let's. Um, I just I wanted to pull out as much wisdom from you because I just I love what you do. I think it's so valuable, and I think it's very needed, especially um, for kids these days. They're so overexposed, and they've got so much information coming in, positive and negative. So to get some messaging out there that can really. Um, give them that little bit of insulation and support where they know that, you know, there's, um, there's a, there's a clear way to sort of navigate this new world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super, super important. So yeah, let's. 
So my question to you is, what is your big vision? I know you have a calling too. I want to know what that looks like for you. So my big vision um, is I, I want to see everyone that crosses my path living in alignment with their true essence. So living their soul calling. That's really what I just walk into the world with. I just set the intention that people that cross my path will leave better than when I found them. And I sort of, and I try, you know, I don't always succeed, um, but I do try to have that as my overarching life mission. Um, and the way that I do that has evolved and changed over, over my life. Uh, so, but I remember from very, very young, I would just draw people to me that had issues and they would just pour their heart and soul out to me. So um, I've always been that container and that safe space. Um, maybe I feel like sometimes without my permission. So I've, I've, <laughs> I've against it a little um, because I had to, to learn those energetic boundaries. And just because I had that healing capacity doesn't mean it's my responsibility to heal the world. Um, and take the weight of the world on my shoulders. So, mm. um, but yeah, that's, I guess my big vision is just to, um, to create positive change no matter where I am. I'm not so, I'm not so set and rigid about what that is at the moment for me. I kind of just follow um, my interests. <laughs> so um, I originally um, was uh, in beauty. I still am. I've got a product line and I do um, beauty therapy. I work with clients one-on-one. Um, and that I've seen the most amazing transformation over the years, just in that ability to just have a conversation um, with somebody and make them feel good. And I've seen, you know, really, really amazing transformations with that. Um, it was really my having my children that got me into kinesiology um so i found that i had kind of i got really good at self-coaching and creating a life um in spite of my past and i did that from a really young age um i've always been slightly more ambitious um and really just wanted to create something new for myself um and yeah it was kind of having my children I got, I got quite sick. I was in a bad marriage. Um, it just, I wasn't living in alignment with myself and my body just started to die. I had, um, kids with challenges that then brought up my own challenges and a bit of PTSD came through with that too. Um, that I, I kind of realized that there was so much going on under the surface that I put the achievement and ambition on top of to cover up. And I thought I'd done the work, but you never really done. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I can relate to that. Was, um, so yeah, I kind of just then I found myself um, being drawn and guided to that um, knowledge, which was amazing. I felt like all my life sort of made sense when I started learning kinesiology because it was things that I'd been intuitively doing and then added some new tools and, and a bit of structure as well, which I'm, I'm not a naturally really structured person. I can be, I can be but I like to play and I like to float and flow. Um, but then I kind of have to spring back and kind of go, okay, it's tr structure time. So I'm, I'm learning the balance of those two worlds. Um, but yeah, that, and that kind of has then along the way um, shown me more of 
the one here to serve, I suppose. Um, and children have always been at the heart of everything that I do. Um, I really, uh, I, I feel like if we nurture and support that childhood experience, we can absolutely change the world. And mm-hmm. um, I was, I was very, very blessed to grow up with um, parents or a one parent in particular that was, um, I guess, very, very loving, but very challenged. So I kind of got this interesting experience of childhood where um, I kind of got to play in both worlds of being a child and being an an over-responsible child. So I kind of got that inner child experience. So then I've been able to help people as adults with that inner child experience um, and feeling that inner child. So that's kind of been a lot of my work. So I work with kids. I work with people's inner kids. I kind of just um, seems to be a recurrent theme for me. Um, and, and something I really enjoy doing for my clients is bringing them back to that childlike wonder. Because I think when we lose that is when we lose a lot of our essence. So when we can tap back into that childlike wonder, the world just becomes beautiful again. We get curious, things become new and different and um, we can heal from that space. So, so yeah, it's, um, I guess my vision is a little all over the place because it's constantly changing. But yeah, I guess just bringing people back to their essence is something I really enjoy doing. Um, and how I do that is kind of sort of. I love that. I love it too, because I feel like as you tell your story, what I hear is like, we teach what we need to learn and we heal others the way we need healing, you know? And every time we do that, it a piece of it comes back on us. At least I feel that way, you know? When I'm helping an artist, friend of mine, kind of telling them like, hey, here's here's what you can do and it doesn't have to be hard. In inside, inner child Rory is like, it doesn't have to be hard, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, we give ourselves that permission. Yeah, and we internalize it to ourselves. You know, we internalize it. We we become the voice of authority. We become able to say, hey, guess what? And I think hearing ourselves say it does something. You know, like more than just thinking about it or journaling it. Hearing ourselves say it to another person, we're like, oh, maybe that's true. yeah well we uh, I'm a huge believer that we create through our words so our word is very powerful um so yeah when we put that out there when we vocalize and verbalize things it kind of makes it quite real and tangible so and getting that that process of getting um even like thoughts to paper or thoughts to words I feel like is so organizing for us and um healing as well and just the whole like connecting with other people too we realize that I think a story that our brains often tell us is that we're alone in something mm-hmm. that people are so stuck and so small and when we're able to push past that small self and verbalize what's going on for us or we're able to lift somebody else up and in, and in response to that we're lifted up as well because we realize that we're so interconnected, that we're never alone in anything and that we have these shared experiences of being human. Yeah. And that's, I think, the magic underlying everything I do too. You know, it's music connects us. It's amazing how someone I have never met 
who maybe recorded something years before I was born can connect with me and make me feel, wow, I'm not alone. You know, it's, yeah. it's so special. And it is, we all, we all feel like we're alone. We're all in it together in how alone we feel. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, yeah, we, I mean, we're so, we all have our own internal worlds that are so complex and, um, and we, you know, none of us are exactly the same, but if there's those shared experiences that we can come together on. And I feel like music is such a big one for that. And where you get, um, I mean, you only need to go to a music concert to see that particular kind of person, right? Like it all seems like you can see a personality type with different, mm -hmm. different bands or different genres or... And people are lit up by music. I think that, especially like as someone who, you know, is not like a big famous person, um, might be playing in a restaurant where you don't expect to see someone playing music, you know, or I, I did this really fun gig during the pandemic where there was supposed to be a street festival scheduled in this town uh, that I often do music in. Obviously it couldn't happen because, you know, there was a pandemic. But what they were able to do was get masked musicians to walk around the town and just walk around on sidewalks, socially distanced, and just just sing. And um, no one really expected it. They were just like, oh, here's this random person with a guitar singing. You know, it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like Times Square. It was just like kind of a suburban block. And it was like, people were so delighted. They were just so excited to see, wow, there's like a little bit of art and whimsy in my day. And you see that um, thing that I think you talk about, the inner, their inner child, their inner whimsy just comes to light. And they're like, wow, maybe there's more possibility in the world than I thought. I love that. And I think that is just the power of music to, to shift people's states, you know, even if it's that, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're feeling a little bit down, we do a lot of dance parties. So my kids and I, if we're feeling a little bit out of sorts, we'll chuck some music on and just dance around a bit, get a bit silly. Um, I love that. So a little. But I feel like it, the opposite is true too. If you've got some, some rawness in you that you're not quite able to tap into, finding some music that can can vibrate on that level and um can help you to tap in and release that as well it's, you know a bit of a sad song on and you can have a bit of a cry so it really is powerful at helping us to tap into emotion and release emotion yeah it's powerful it's that's it's like the healing magic it's a lot of people I find are going through grief right now um I talked about that like in my live stream this week I kind of dedicated a live poem performance and I really wanted it to not just be about here's a sad song I wanted it to be like let's connect let's actually celebrate these feelings instead of running from them you know let's acknowledge let's acknowledge what what it is it means so much to us that it also brings us this much pain you know and it's beautiful it's beautiful to see to be able to connect with that in real time it's beautiful for people to be able to just kind of hold hands virtually not in, you know not in reality at this time um but just feel like hey we're in this we're in this space where we can all acknowledge this stuff together that's like so powerful to me yeah. so for anybody that might be listening who uh has a story around not being able to sing what what's a bit of advice that you could give? do you do you believe that there are people that just can't sing or i don't believe that <laughs> 
No, you can sing. You have vocal cords. You've it. You've you're gifted with this instrument that just lives inside your body. You can sing the same way you can walk. And we're born being able to sing and making a variety of noises. But often what happens is one person told them when they were younger that they couldn't sing or you can just lip sync when the chorus sings, you know, and then they feel very and it's a child wound. It's trauma. The child is like, oh, God, I can't do that. And then the adult is so, so afraid. Um, You can sing. I promise you can sing. And if you really feel like, oh, I have trouble with matching pitch, well, I have great news for you. Like, there are people who help with that. You can go, like, give money to a great musician, which is a wonderful way to support them, and learn how to get really good and really confident in something that may have been scary to you before. And you might find that it's incredibly healing. I think that when we push against our limitations, when we say, actually, maybe I can, every area of our life opens up. You know, it's not just creative. It's, it's, I've, I've worked with one or two people as like a vocal coach, helping them find their voice and not be afraid to, you know, to sing and to raise their volume. And it's never just their voice that changes. There's always an emotional breakthrough that accompanies in it because singing is, it's, it's our emotion, you know, it's our clearest conduit. So yes, you can sing, you're wrong. And if you don't believe you can sing, then I'm going to probably ask you to sing. <laughs> uh, so when people say, I can't sing, what are they often describing from a technical point? Is it that they can't match pitch? Is that Some, often- Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that they're tone deaf. That's a uh-huh. word that people throw around a lot too, that people say, oh, I'm tone deaf. Uh-huh. Um, and I usually, oh, go ahead. Practice. Would you say it's more unskilled and unpracticed that they didn't yeah. work those fundamental skills, which would, you know, would be the learning to pitch match and. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of like, um, like for me, I, the thing I'm guilty of saying all the time is I can't dance. I'm uncoordinated. I have two left feet. That's why I'm on stage with a guitar, everyone. <laughs> so I don't have to be on the dance floor. But the truth is like, like anything, you can learn how to dance. You can break down the moves, right? Um, you can learn how, if you follow the steps, you can learn how to do it. And the same is true with music, but it's not taught. Our ears aren't taught the way that our hands are taught to write and our brains are taught to do math. And not everyone grows up to become a, a ridiculous math genius who gets a Nobel Prize because they solve something brilliant. But everyone can like add up their grocery list and know how much money they're spending. So I look at singing the same way. You know, not everyone is like Aretha Franklin out of the box, but everyone can get to a level where they can express themselves. And, you know, maybe just never got a chance to, maybe never got a chance to just learn the fundamentals. If you think you're tone deaf, how long have you spent sitting at a piano trying to match the pitch of the key that you press? And if the answer is, oh, I don't do that because I can't do it, well, there's your first problem. Give it a try, you know? So so practically, realistically, for the, for the average person, how much time, like, how much time a day should they allocate to tuning into their voice? I mean, I see it from a point uh, of well-being as well, of keeping that mechanism quite healthy that we mm-hmm. use in the and now, you know, it's all connected, our ears, nose, throat. Um, so keeping that space healthy and expressive and unblocked and 
um, able to regenerate well? Are there certain practices that we should all be using regardless of whether we are singers or not that we should be doing each day to keep that structure healthy? There absolutely are. And actually, like we're in a, a pandemic now with a disease that affects upper respiratory systems in particular. And I have to say, every, and every like every singer and singing coach that I've ever talked to, I'm sure is saying the same thing right now. Doing vocal exercises daily improves your lung health dramatically. There are studies, there are studies that uh, doing vocal exercises like increases the breath capacity of people with chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder. So it's really amazing how effective it can be. Um, and especially in a time when we're gonna start to see people with long-term respiratory problems, it's a health issue to be able to um, do exercises. So I recommend to people like check it out, check out like go on YouTube and search like basic vocal warm up, and you'll find a few videos that kind of take you through scales, take you through the range of your voice, maybe teach you how to breathe in a way that supports your voice. And it, it's really basic skills that anyone can learn and anyone can understand and practicing them gives you a sense of competence, helps you in other areas of your life because it literally does increase your lung capacity. Um, and as you said, it connects us with that part of ourselves that just wants to be expressed. It's some, there's something very powerful about being able to express ourselves, not just through words and language, but just through raw tone, through sound. Yeah. So how, I don't, you know, as much time per day, I think as someone wants to give to it, I think spending five minutes a day is better than no minutes, just like meditation, you know? Or any other exercise, if you're doing any kind of physical exercise, so making sure that you're exercising your voice as well and taking care of that. Um, I will say yeah. one of the, one of the key releases that I do for my trauma clients or anyone that's experienced a bit of um, stress or maybe tends towards a bit of um, mental overload um i notice as a common theme is they have locked up diaphragms so one of the things that we do is a diaphragmatic release on that hypertonicity that happens so basically when people experience stress and trauma um that diaphragm will lock up and they'll actually go into that shallow breathing so mm -hmm. learning breathing and diaphragmatic breathing um it's calming for the mind as well um to help us process well but yeah as you said like getting that lung health super important especially now that people are really tuning into their bodies and and what their bodies are capable of and that self-healing capacity yeah absolutely um, yeah. and it's so true our breath is so connected to our emotional state when i do have someone i'm teaching singing the first thing i do at every lesson is actually like a meditative breath you know a deep yogic breath where you fill up your whole body that is breath that's good for singing and it changes the whole game you know suddenly your shoulders drop suddenly you're able you're taking in more air you know it's a different you feel different you feel less stressed and nervous yeah and then yeah you've then got the space and capacity to get out those those big sounds absolutely and we we need less air than we think especially people like hitting high notes is scary for a lot of people often we don't need air we need support you know we need to kind of root ourselves to the ground. I, this is something you hear about in spiritual practices a lot, really rooting yourself to the earth and feeling that power come up. Similarly, that kind of support helps with singing and then it becomes effortless because you don't feel that you're pushing from your throat. You feel that all, all the way from, my voice is coming all the way from inside of me, from deep. And it's not so hard anymore. And also it feels badass, you feel awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
very empowering, right? Um, so you, you've mentioned um, that you have your spiritual practices. How much of your your songwriting, your your vocals, um, do you feel there's an, an outside element that you channel or bring through that or do you feel it's more an internal process or a bit of both? Like what's the kind of awareness that you get around when you are tapping into that? For me... Um, I feel like, and I know there are a lot of artists who feel otherwise, I feel like it's important for us as artists to acknowledge our creations as our creations. Like, I wrote a song. Someone didn't hand me a song out of thin air. Maybe it feels that way because the act of creation feels so spontaneous and exciting. But I wrote a song. And I say it because I think it's important for us to own our accomplishments. I see a lot of artists who are amazing and have written amazing things and created something amazing but feel so low in terms of self-worth like oh yeah I can do that but whatever I didn't do that and I think a, a healthy place to start is yes I can create yes I do make special things and yes I don't have to do it alone perhaps I'm co-creating or perhaps I'm just tapping into energy that's already there you know around me and is partly within me but still I'm creating my own thing you know um, I'm putting something out that's special so I feel that my art comes from me but I feel that my spirituality supports and informs it, especially like my purpose when I'm, you know, when I'm singing, I'm not just writing for me. I'm writing because now I believe it's my purpose to serve. So it's, I don't know, it's a beautiful journey. I know there are people who say, oh, I didn't write that song. You know, I channeled that song and that's cool. You know, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. For me personally, I, I feel like, well, what are we channeling? And I feel that way as a spiritual person, I don't have a lot of big firm beliefs. I'm like, what is, you know, people talk about higher power. Is it, is it your higher self? Is it just your best self? Is it a man in the sky? I'm kind of cool with whatever it is, as long as I have a good relationship with it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, because I mean, it's like anything, we get to attach meaning to it, right? And it's the meaning that serves us and uplifts us. Yeah. And for me, especially experience yeah and I think um especially as a woman I think that women are encouraged to diminish their accomplishments and uh taught to kind of um you know be very humble and I think that can be harmful to our spirit so I think it's um I think owning our owning our creations owning our art owning our accomplishments does something for our inner child you know it does something to say like hey you know what i'm someone too and we model it we model that it's okay you know yeah beautiful. i love that that's um and it really frees it up to be something free of dogma and not um i guess then marginalized to being only enjoyed by this particular kind of person it's like mm -hmm. yeah and I think that it makes room for it to be an offering to the divine. Um, and again, however you wish to describe that, I have defined it in different ways over my life. Sometimes I feel like the divine is the connection between all of us and there's nothing more to it than that and that's beautiful enough. But I love the idea of writing a song as a prayer. It's Maybe it's not something I channeled, maybe it's something I give back. It's like, here's all the beauty back, you know? Let me be the mirror. And that's yeah. beautiful. That's a beautiful spiritual thing to do. 
That is really beautiful. And um, like I myself, I guess my early experiences of song were in church. So we we mm-hmm. were quite, a, you know, um, praise and worship kind of church. I I don't go to church anymore. I've kind of um, shifted and evolved my beliefs around that, but. I value that so much that there are spaces that really honour the voice and that use it as a connection to something outside of yourself. I, I mean, and just having that, I, what I've observed in working with mental health for so many years is the power of believing in something bigger than just you. And even if that, that is just a collective community, mm-hmm. just having an inside focus so that we're not so internally consumed um is really life-changing and transformational and the fact that song can do that is just really wonderful that we have access to that innate tool that's you know and we you know as I said earlier we make instruments out of anything and and even the instrument of our voice um yeah and as you said just banging percussively on things you know we're it's in us we can't help it (laughs) um do you think that, I mean, I guess there's some people that aren't, that, that don't allow themselves to tap into that. Um, have you encountered that ever or? Yeah, I have. Um, I usually find it's shame. You know, that's the sense I get from people is that the reason they don't allow themselves, the, the phrase I hear is, oh, you don't want to see that. Like, you know, like that shame of like, that's okay for everyone else, but not for me. And that's a feeling I can relate to. Maybe not about singing, for example, but that's a feeling like, oh, everyone else can do it. But for some reason, it's just me in particular, not good enough. I think we've all felt that way about something. Um, that was one of the phrases I had to let go of was I, I used to say, oh, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. And you know, something I actually do, especially in workshops, sometimes I'll do a, I'll do songwriting workshops with a group. I'll have the whole group write a song. It's incredibly powerful because everyone finds out they're a songwriter. And what I will tell people, especially the people who are very nervous is like, I'm going to make you write something. You have to write something for me right now and you have to sing it to me and it has to be bad. And you're going to get a bad grade if you sing me something good, you know? And, and it takes the pressure off. It's like, oh, all I have to do is write something bad. Well, now I can write, you know, now I can at least do something. I can do something bad, no problem. And often they come out with something really special. It's just that fear of, no, it's not gonna be good enough that keeps us quiet. So giving people permission to fail, super, super yeah. powerful. Letting people right. know that's part of the process. That's, if you fail, it means you, you're doing it right. Cause we're not, right. you know, very very rare that somebody gets something perfect on a first attempt and if they do they've probably practiced in their mind a billion times before um but Mm -hmm. yeah failure is is good like fail fail forward fail hard fail fast yes i love i love embracing failure because i for me like failure is a shame feeling right but it's like well my biggest transformations have come out of this didn't work now i have to figure out what will work and it's like that instant of getting real with yourself it's a self-worth instant for me when I've had things go deeply wrong in my life you know and felt like wow I'm just profoundly unhappy and this is where I got myself you know and it's easy it easy for me to get down on myself in those moments but then the realization that 
and I don't want to be unhappy. So I'm going to try to find a way not to. What can I try? The realization that I'm worth trying, even if I don't know what the heck to do, it's that carried me through, you know, that's that started me learning how to be a friend to myself. So I think failure can be like a beautiful teacher. Yeah, and, and being able to separate the action from our own identity. So we mm-hmm. have failed at something or we, you know, we've found another way of working out that something doesn't work. <laughs> like we've just we've yeah. refined our process a little bit more. Um, we are not a failure. We right. have attempted something that hasn't worked. doesn't mean that we fundamentally don't work. It means that we're learning and growing and evolving and collecting information um, along the way. And it's, you know, I guess we only fail if we don't try again. Yeah. And now we're actually closer to success because I don't know, whenever a month ago, before we tried to do the thing that failed, we didn't have the experience we have now from the last month. Now we know definitively something that doesn't work and we can pick apart. Well, maybe we can reverse engineer and pull the one thing that will work out of it. And that's so powerful. That was something I was going to ask you too. How do you, um, what's your process for like when something doesn't work because ultimately uh, nothing is completely ever completely wrong there's always an element of success in every failure mm-hmm. what's your process for differentiating what was the piece that worked and what was the piece that didn't do you, do you intuit that is that a natural process or do you have a a bit of a learning structure or what's your learning style how do you tend to bounce back I think it has to be a process of I think like it's um I don't know if you've ever read any of Brene Brown's book, but she describes it as like a rumble where you are rumbling with the difficult, you know, the difficult situation and you don't really know the outcome. You're just like, I'm in the rumble. I don't know. Um, I think it has to be like that because I think whenever you have a situation like that where something didn't work, especially like you cared enough to try, it's important to you. Your feelings are coming up to your shame is coming up. Right. So there has to be the self-exploration of like, okay. What did, what, what really didn't work about the situation? And for a really um, topical, like music industry related thing, a friend of mine recently tried to put together a show that um, didn't work out um, in that people didn't buy tickets and didn't go to it. And a lot of artists have this experience. Um, a lot of artists have experience of trying to get a show. There are a lot of predatory people who will try to book an artist for a show and they're like, this is great exposure for you. Just sell 20 tickets and then you'll get paid a tiny amount, like a dollar for every ticket you sell. The artist is the one bringing all of their friends in. I'm not really sure where the exposure comes in, but, um, but it's a common first way that artists get into gigging. And often because it's, um, it's not, great planning on the part of the person creating that opportunity for the artist because the artists don't know anything about marketing, right? They're like, I don't know, I'm an artist. Will you come to my show? You know, and when it doesn't work out, the artist internalizes it. They feel it's my fault. I'm no good, you know? Um, But if you're able to step back or hopefully have like a believing mirror who can help you do this, if you kind of question each little thing and say, well, is it true that it's because my art's no good? Actually, several of the people that I asked to see my show haven't even heard my art. So they don't know that it's not good. They just didn't want to come for some reason. Um, And is it true that I'm a failure if I can't sell 20 tickets to a show as an unknown artist who no one has ever heard of? Or is that just not the best model of marketing a show? You know, certainly as I've learned more as a marketer, I've realized um, 
that that particular model of like we rely on the artist to bring everyone in the door and then maybe they'll get paid a little bit it's a silly model because artists are not known for their marketing skills <laughs> so you know as you pull it apart like that you start to realize oh there's a lot more going on than just me my effort is part of it um but there's also circumstances and it's not saying like oh it's all the circumstances fault bad luck it's more saying what can i do next time to make the circumstances better for myself separating that identity you know maybe this model doesn't work for me but that doesn't make me a failure that means this model's not the right one well how could i tweak it did anything work if nothing worked well, why don't i try something totally different I don't know, why don't I walk into a Starbucks and just start singing and see what happens? You know, like it, it creates innovation when we are willing to separate ourselves from it. But it's very hard. That's why we need the believing mirrors. We need someone to pick us up when we're in our shame to be like, hey, it probably is not about you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I guess, that, um, yeah, as as a, a therapist, that's something I do for my clients. Mm. <laughs> is give that them that space because not everybody has um that community around them or you know particularly if they're breaking away from i guess unhealthy past or family systems or whatever they might mm -hmm. often have this stage which is tending to where i get people in that transition stage of creating that new support and community so i kind of am a hand holder from from one world to another um ah. but that kind of brings me to I'm, I'm loving this conversation. I'm so enjoying learning more about your industry and it's been really enlightening for me um, to just hear your perspective. And I think it's gonna be really valuable for a lot of people. Uh, it brings me to my final question. Um, so if there were one thing that you could see changed in your industry in the next two to five years, what would that one thing that you would like to see change be? Truthfully, I would like to see um, every individual artist recognize that they are part of the industry and have the power to change it. I want a mindfulness revolution because um, people perceive, especially the music industry, to be like this big faceless thing that we're contending with. But the truth is, if you're making music, you're part of the music industry. And, you know, this is true of any industry, right? If I'm a plumber, I'm part of the plumbing industry, I guess, if that's a thing. Um, if I'm a coach, I'm part of the coaching industry. But when we're small, we feel like the industry is something that we have to figure out and conquer. And the truth is, we are it. We make it. We make everything. We make culture. So what I would love to see is a massive mindset shift where every single person making art realized I can carve a path for myself and it's just okay and I can find the path that works and I don't need someone else's permission. I can just do the thing that works to get my art into the world because it's so powerful. It's a house of cards, you know, like it does not have to be something that's controlled by large corporate interests. It's controlled by us. We are the industry. So would that look, what would that look like? Do you, um, would that be more of a, a collective like, a, I don't know, the word unionization came to my mind. Yeah, I, I'm like such a socialist too. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's the people in the industry coming together to form somewhat of a structured organization that can then have some 
um, procedures and checkpoints and and standards that then get that that all people in the industry can come to to create that bit of solidarity or. I think there are small and large organizations along that line, and I think that's probably a piece of it. But I, to me, I think the mindset shift is the most critical, and it does start with individuals connecting with each other in a, in a less toxic way. You know, with me and five of my friends who also play music getting together and instead of being like, oh, the industry is so hard, it's so hard to get paid fairly, no one cares about what we do, realizing, hey, we're five people and we can make a change together. We can all five of us announce, well, this is what we're doing from now on because we think this is fair. And if we're the five musicians in town, well, then the bars that are paying us unfairly are going to have to have a think about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I find that most people want to support the arts and most artists feel deeply unsupported. But when artists speak up and say, hey, here's what's not working for me and here's the support I need, most people are like, oh, I want to help. Oh, it's better to buy your music on Bandcamp than to listen on Spotify. Okay, I'll do that. You know, people just don't know. Um, yeah. So it's that power that comes from giving voice. And I almost look at it like, the way um, the second wave feminist movement happened in the 60s and 70s where women just got together and shared their experiences and we all grew and we all rose from just realizing, wow, we have common experiences. We can make change together. The yeah. personal is political. That on an individual level, our own personal thoughts, beliefs and behaviors are often the things that create our stuckness and it's not it's not always an enemy from outside. It can, can also be this internalization that keeps us stuck and small and creating these bad. And as you said, like we teach people how to treat us and what we need. So it's mm -hmm. like, they don't know what they don't know. And, you know, we're sometimes maybe attributing a malicious intent, like, oh, they just don't want to pay us what we're worth when it's really, have you asked? Yeah. And maybe it's just the status quo. Yeah. Yeah. So it's shifting that whole, um it's that self-empowerment self-belief and um yeah and I guess even sometimes that would come down to the artists themselves not knowing what they're worth or what they uh -huh. can ask for what's possible for them because they've never seen it and it hasn't been role modeled much like feminism you know it was those those women that were brave and that were stood up for it. any any political any any movement that's brought people out of enslavement or anything that has mm -hmm. created big, big cultural changes it's been those people that have gone well I don't want to live this way yeah. and I maybe have never experienced anything different but I've got this deep belief that it can be different and so I'm going to create that yeah it's so powerful and when enough people do that together then you have a movement and then change really happens and sometimes there really are external forces you know I mean I think uh, like patriarchy is a real thing. There really are corporate structures right now that maybe are making it harder for certain people, you know, um, but that doesn't mean that we are a slave to those systems. It means that we, if we all get together and recognize, hey, do you not like this? You don't like this either. We're not happy with this. Well, all of society is consensual reality. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if enough people kind of get together and say, let's be honest with each other. What do you think needs to happen? Well, then change starts to happen. Yeah, yeah. Seeing all those perspectives and seeing how then and the other side of it, what that could look like and the obstacles along the way and being able to plan and move. Yeah. Um, it's a little tricky for creatively minded people too. I know myself it can, when I'm in a really creative space, it can be hard to 
structure and systemize. So it's it's melding those two worlds together and interconnect mm-hmm. everything to work, you know, we to work us all towards that shared vision. Yeah. And it is that we do have strengths though that make us uniquely qualified to do it as creative people, which is we're born connectors and we're really good at making a strong specific message and putting it out there that's what art is you know we're we're actually incredibly good at it and we've been made to feel bad at it and i really do think it's a little bit not purposeful i don't think there's some guy going like now you're gonna feel bad you know but i think it's it's to the advantage of the status quo put it that way that we have self-worth issues that we don't know what to ask for ourselves and we feel shame around asking and when we start to shake things up and say and just ask questions so much can happen just by asking each other what are you experiencing because here's what i'm experiencing yeah yeah definitely that yeah connection is so so powerful absolutely well i think our time is we're kind of coming pretty close um i've really enjoyed this uh and i would love to connect a little bit more and, and um yeah we'll put some things out there and so that people can find you so your best best channels you mentioned earlier to find you would be uh youtube yeah you can find me on youtube youtube.com backslash rory kelly um i'm also on facebook and twitch if you type my name into any social media r-o-r-i-e-k-e-l-l-y you will find me and if you visit my website which is rorykelly.com you can sign up for my mailing list and i will send you um cute cat pictures as well as you know information about when i'll be performing and stuff like that Well, thank you so much for giving me some deep insight into your world. It's been super valuable and I've loved connecting with you. Um, And I'm sure that's going to really help a lot of people as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation with me. I'm, I'm so glad that we met. Me too. All right. Speak soon. Bye.